this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this evening. Pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, again, thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's turn to page 212. Go tell it on the mountain. Sing uh, page one ninety nine.
take this opportunity and welcome one another to the services. Turn to page 216, Away in a Manger.
good singing tonight. do appreciate you being out in the house of the Lord. We're going to continue our study in the book of John, looking at the portraits of Christ through the eyes of John, and uh, hope that you've already been blessed this week, and uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to be in chapter 14. We skipped a few chapters last week, but we're back to chapter 14. And uh, this happens to be probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I believe it's probably the most encouraging chapters in the Bible. I want you to notice there in the first uh, first, uh, uh, John 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity. Uh, Lord, as we break open the bread of life this, morning, this evening, Lord, I ask that you would just fill us from upon high. Lord, pray that you would give us exactly what we need to hear tonight, that we may draw closer to you. Lord, I, th- I thank you for all that you've done and what you're going to do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice this first phrase in this uh, verse 1 here. It says, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. On the surface, that may not seem like such an encouraging or such a great blessing, but when you consider at the moment what is going on in the life of Christ, Jesus is it's on the eve of his death, and, and he is standing in the very shadow of Calvary here, yet he takes the time to encourage his disciples. Uh, were, were their hearts troubled at this point? I believe they were. Jesus had just told them that of his impending death here in the previous chapter. They had just learned that one of the disciples were going to portray Christ in the previous chapter. And then Simon Peter had just been notified that he was going to deny Christ three times before the cock crew. And so, yes, their hearts are very heavy, and yes, it's, they're, they're filled with sorrow and burden and grief, and they probably have many questions. And, uh, but even in this hour of his great trial, Jesus still loved his own. He still reached out to them and comforted them and, and tried to encourage them in the, with these words. Now, it would be impossible to adequately cover this whole chapter in one, one message uh, but I'm just going to dive right into it with, with this thought. Jesus, the great comforter. Jesus, the great comforter. In this, this chapter here, Jesus addresses some very important areas of life. And he offers up hope in each, uh, to each of them today. Uh, in the hour of his greatest need, he takes the time to, uh, he takes the time to encourage the hearts of his, his disciples. And to every person, if when you read this chapter, I don't know about you, but it encourages me just, uh, just when you, you open up this chapter and you read it, God is saying, hey, you don't have to be troubled. And there's a lot that goes along with this. And we're going to look at that uh, for just a few moments this evening on Jesus, the great comforter. Number one, I want you to notice in verses two and three, there's a hope for tomorrow. There's a hope for tomorrow. Look there again in verse 2. It says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto, that, unto, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
Jesus is about to, uh, Jesus is telling us about the prepared place that he has for a prepared people. And while we can't go into the great detail about the wonders of this, this heavenly city, I can tell you that when we arrive there, we'll be at home. I, I don't know about you, some, some of you, uh, you'll say, well, we're going home for Christmas. And uh, that's usually referring back to your childhood home or where your folks are. Or, or now maybe your kids are saying, hey, we're going home uh, for Christmas. And there's just something about home. Uh, you know, Lizzie came home last week uh, from uh, being at college. She said 90-some days she was at college, and she was away from home. And when she came home, she just felt there was just a peace being in, at home. And there's just something about being home. And that's what God says. That's why he describes heaven as home. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but uh, after a hard day's work, uh, there's just something about being home. You know, and uh, I look forward to that. We have a heavenly home uh, to consider here. Um, and it will be at home in the Father's presence and for, free from sin and sorrow and separation and suffering and uh, anything that would hinder our, uh, the glory of heaven. And try as I might, I could never adequately describe what heaven is going to be like. Uh, I, I think I love the way uh, Paul summed it up in First. Corinthians 2.9, he says this, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God's got some wonderful things prepared for us. I look forward to entering that city someday. I'm looking forward to it. It's not going to be a, a grievous day for me. I'm looking forward to that day. Excluding the rapture of Jesus, uh, uh, the return of Jesus and the rapture, the only way to get to heaven is through the avenue of death. Isn't it interesting that Jesus would speak of heaven as home? Often people are afraid of the prospect, of, uh, the, the possibility of dying. Yet for the child of God, uh, child of God death is, is not the end. It's simply a uh, time to go home. This is what Paul, the attitude of Paul in 2 uh, Corinthians 12. He says he, he longed to be with Christ. Paul had seen it. Uh, he, he couldn't find the vocabulary to describe the heavens, and therefore he was reduced to telling us that whatever was over there was far better than what is down here. Then we have a heavenly hope. In this verse, verse three here, it says, "And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I uh, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also." In this verse, Jesus reminds us there will come a day when he will return for his people. There are some who do not believe in the rapture. There are some teachings out there they don't believe in the teaching of the rapture. However, the Lord believes it, uh, and I'm going to stick with him. Paul sheds a little bit of light on it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, he talks about uh, the coming of the Lord. Many may doubt it, and men may mock it, but Jesus is going to come again, and uh, the best advice that I have for those that uh, don't, don't want to pay attention to it is they better get ready. They better get ready because he's coming. Even though many may doubt his return, Jesus is telling, he's telling the men there in Matthew 24, 44, he's saying, hey, I'm going away, but this is not the last that you're going to hear from me. 
He says, I'm going to come again. In fact, the last record recorded words of the Lord was given to John on the Isle of Patmos there. Uh, in the statement, he says, Jesus said this, Surely I come quickly in Revelation 22. And then we have not only a heavenly home, a heavenly hope, but we have a heavenly homecoming. Again there in verse 3. The disciples are upset with the notion that Jesus is, is going, going away. Therefore, he tells them that where he's going, they're going to be able to come as well. And he tells them that I believe the great glories of heaven will not be the golden streets or the jasper walls or the angelic host or the crystal rivers or the endless day or even seeing the, our loved ones that have gone on. I believe the, the splendor, the glory of heaven is going to be when we see our Savior face to face. That's what it's going to be all about. Yes, I'm longing to see some of my loved ones that have gone on, some of my friends and family members that have gone on to be with the Lord. And yeah, I'm longing to see them, but the one that I'm really looking forward to see is my Savior's face. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face... The one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. John saw him and described it this way in Revelation chapter 1 verse 13. It says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the, uh, to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair uh, were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like uh, unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and in his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell as his feet... As dead, at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and the death. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. However, I believe probably the greatest description of our Lord is in Revelation 5, 6, it says this, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and the, of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. That's Jesus, and that's who we're going to behold in glory. So there's a hope for tomorrow, but also there's help for today. In this chapter, in verses 4 through 31, uh, Jesus is telling there's help for today. Uh, there's help for our salvation. In verses 4 through 11, it says, And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas say unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, uh, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet have thou not known me, Philip? 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am the, in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake." We see here that in these verses, Jesus tells the disciples there's, there's only one plan for salvation for all men. He tells Thomas that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He declares himself to be the only access to God the Father. He says he's the only way. Uh, verse 9 boils it down to uh, he's, the representative, he's the representative of Almighty God. He's God himself. And Jesus is the only means of salvation for all humanity. Acts 4, uh, 12, Acts 16, 31, and John 3, 16 all bear testimony of the truth that salvation is found in none other but through Jesus Christ. I realize that this is a very pretty narrow way of thinking in our day and time. Brother Caleb was teasing about the narrow way of thinking of this day uh, right now. But that's, that's what a lot of people think this is very narrow-minded. But really, it's the Bible way. And God says, hey, there's only one way. There's only, he's the way, the truth, and the life. There's not many ways. There's not many spokes on a wheel. There's only one way. That's not my words. That's God's words. And we need to make sure that we understand that. Very clearly, the, the Bible puts it very narrow uh, from his words. Many feel that there are various routes one can take to reach God, yet the Bible makes it clear. He says, how can we be, how can we be saved? He's the way. How can I be sure? He's the truth. How can, I, how can I be satisfied? He is the life. He's the life of satisfaction. Thank God Jesus is all you will ever need in the matter of salvation, but also in the matter of service. Look there in verse 12 through 14. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall uh, he do also the greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is talking about service. We see here that we can be rest assured that Jesus will aid us in his work. He gives us threefold promise in this. He says he's going to honor us there in verse 12. Jesus declares that, he was, he, that we'll be able to do greater works uh, than he did. Not because uh, what he did wasn't sufficient, but that geographically he was limited in his areas. But now since he sent the Holy Spirit, he's able to, and interceding on our behalf, he's able to do greater works through us if we will only allow him. The Holy Spirit, uh, whenever he came and, and dwells the born-again Christian, he's able to do greater works. That's what he's saying and talking about in there in verse 12. And not only did he say he would honor us, but he said he would hear us there in verse 13 and 14. Uh, here we are given the blessed assurance that when we call upon the name of the Lord and ask according to his will, he's going to answer us. He's going to go to the Father on our behalf. It makes serving Jesus much easier knowing that he's on our, on our side and we're on his side. We have his presence with us. See, we serve, uh, we serve a uh, prayer-hearing God. You know, he still answers prayers. And then he said he would help us. 
He would honor us, he would hear us, and he would help us. Not only does Jesus promise to hear our prayers, but he, he also promises to move in such a way to bring about the answer. He listens and then he goes to work on our behalf. I'm glad that we do not serve a God who just leaves us here stranded. But he's there going along through this with us. He's right there beside us, giving us the promise he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But then not only in salvation and service, but also in surrender. Look there in verse 15. Verse 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. Skip down to verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At the day ye know, uh, shall know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he is... He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. We see here this is this is talking about this is talking about uh, surrender. In these verses, Jesus speaks about the area of our surrender to His authority. And he declares that our surrender to Him should be based on love, our love for Him. How do we know that people know that we're his disciples for our love one for another, but our love for him. This, this speaks of the proof of our love. Jesus makes it crystal clear that our obedience to him shows our love to him. Shows our, you see, we can say that we love someone or we love him, but until our feet are in action, until we actually put it into action, it's just a bunch of lip service. If all we did was say, yeah, I, I love my wife, or I love my husband, or whatever the case may be for you, you say, I love my wife, but if there's no action to it, there's nothing but just words, then it's, it's empty. And that's what God is saying here. He's saying, hey, there's, there's more than just words, it's action. But then I want you to notice the proof of his love, but the proof of love, and then the promise of love. The promise to those who are obedient to the Lord Jesus and His will for their lives is, he, is that He and the Father will manifest themselves to us. That is, the believer who is, who is saved is able to accomplish and, and uh, who walks in obedience is able to accomplish more through the love that they have for Christ. But then the Spirit. In verses 16 through 18... These verses tell us the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're given several truths about Him and His ministry to believers. Look there in verse 16. It says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will, leave, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. We see this is talking about the Spirit. We see His person. Jesus promised the disciples that when He went to the Father, He would ask His Father to send a comforter, send another. The comforter is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, there are some facts about this divine person that we need to acknowledge. Number one, His title. The word comforter is uh, uh, paraclete, uh, one who comes, what it means is that one who comes along the side of another to offer protection and counsel. Uh, 
It carries the idea of the advocate or a lawyer. And the Holy Spirit is our divine paraclete. Then, not only his title, but also his personality. The word another here is indication. It literally is one that is just like the same. He says, God says, I will send another. It means one just like me. He's saying, when, when Jesus says, I'm going to send another, he's saying, it's as if I'm here with you. He, and Jesus was the comforter himself, but the Spirit of God is another comforter, one just like Jesus. But then his ability. In verse 17, you see there, it says, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus was able to abide with his disciples and help, and had, had been with them for three years. Now through the coming of the Holy Spirit, he's able to abide with all of us, all born-again believers. Jesus has the ability to, to every promised child of God that he will never leave them nor forsake them because the Holy Spirit coming down. But then I want you to notice not only his person, but his permanence. When the Spirit of God takes up residence in our hearts, he lives there forever. We never have to worry about him leaving us. The Holy Spirit's always there. And you've heard me talk about this before. We like to claim, you know, God said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He's talking about his Holy Spirit living and abiding with us. And we like to claim that when things are going well, but when we're not doing right, God's there with us in, at, during those times too. When we're uh, on our way here, we, there was a backup on, on 40. I mean, it was backed up, I mean, miles backed up on 40. And I'm thinking, oh my, I'm already running late. I'm going to have to figure out a different way. So I figured out a different way, and I went through Plainfield, went through town, and all this stuff. And and there's a lady stand at the stop light, or at a stop sign, and I'm thinking, okay, lady, you don't know, I'm in a hurry. And the, I mean, there was cars just, you know, there was a big gap. I mean, people could have drove 17 semis through it, but she's just kind of just taking her time. I'm like, come on, lady. And I speed off, you know, as soon as she gets up there, I speed up there. I'm like, come on, you don't realize I'm in a hurry. After I'd done that, I, I, this, these type of verses come back to me, thinking God was with me during that time too. Even when I was acting like a yahoo and saying, lady, come on, get out of my way. Now she didn't, she couldn't hear me, but God did. God's permanence, his, he, he's there with us all the time. But then notice his purpose. The purpose of the Spirit in the believer's life is manifold. These, purpose tell, uh, these verses tell us that about his plan for us and his purpose in coming into ours. Uh, he, he comes, his purpose is to indwell us. At the moment of salvation, the believer literally becomes the temple of God. And God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, comes and takes permanent place, residence. He dwells in the life of a believer. Just takes, uh, uh, just, just take just a moment to let that sink in for her. He takes up residence inside of us. Our problem is that we have become so familiar with the deep truths of the Bible that we no longer hold much luster for them. We fail to see the glory and the thought uh, that God lives in our hearts. 
not only to indwell us, but also to invest. Verse 21, look at that. It says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and that loveth me shall, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself of him. That is, he fills us with the power to live and labor for the Lord. Without him, we could do nothing. We couldn't get anything accomplished without him. But then, to instruct us. The Holy Spirit's there to instruct us. Verse 26, look there, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. One purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to instruct us in the things of God. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches us about the Bible, who, who teaches us uh, the Holy Spirit who reveals the deep things of God. It is He, the Holy Spirit, who teaches us how to reach our fullest potential for the glory of God. He is the divine instructor. But then again in verse 26, he, He's there to inspire us. We're reminded that He is an encourager. He encourages us. When we become discouraged, the Holy Spirit in our soul rises up and wraps His comforting arms around us. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know how it's possible. I don't understand this, that God knows just when I need the encouragement. He knows just when I need that encouragement. It may not come through a person, but something that God does in my life and just uh, the Holy Spirit, just like it's getting one of them big old Caleb McGinnis bear hugs. Just, it's just a big old huge, God's comforting. It just it makes you feel so secure. It makes you feel at peace and safe. And God gives that to you. He, he inspires you and, and just when you need it. But then in stillness, as Jesus brings the thoughts of chapter 14 to a close, he speaks to the disciples' troubled hearts once again. He reminds them that he is still the Prince of Peace and that he just, because, just because he's leaving, that doesn't mean that he will remove his peace. Here Jesus tells the disciples that even through, though the world is about to be shattered, they can face it with assurance that they, have, they can have peace during all their trials and troubles. Look there in verse 27. It says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard now how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. May I remind you that we have the same assurance today. Our world is in turmoil. I mean, you look around, there's a lot of uncertainties in our world. Yet through it all, the saints of God are, are possessed of a peace that defies all description. Defies all description. I mean, we can't even, 
we can't explain the peace that we have. The world is in turmoil. People are, are going crazy all around us, but we can have peace even during turmoil. According to Jesus, this peace is heavenly in origin. Therefore, it cannot be affected by the events of this world. Our response in times of trouble is to lean on the peace, the peace giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord today that he is the great encourager. I don't know what you may be going through today. I don't know what you may be going through tomorrow or what you went through yesterday. But I do know this, that no matter what you go through, that he can see you through it. That he's the great encourager. I was talking to a man just yesterday. He was, going, he was kind of discouraged and I was trying to witness to him and telling him about how we, I have this hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I'm encouraged. I, I have a peace even when times are hard, I can have a peace knowing that my Lord is in control of all things. Nothing's going to catch him by surprise. And I was able to witness to the man and, and uh, try to encourage him a little bit. But you know, the thing of it is, a lost man isn't going to understand that peace that passes on understanding. Only someone that has been saved can understand. They can't explain it. But you can know, you can have that peace that passes all understanding. Today, Jesus is our great encourager. He is our great hope. And he is our great peace giver. The heads are bowed and eyes are closed. He's our hope for tomorrow. He's our help for today. He's the great encourager. Tonight, as we just take a few moments to have a time to reflect, I just want to encourage you tonight if, I don't know what you're going through, but maybe you needed this message tonight. Maybe you just needed uh, reminded that he's the great comforter and that no matter what you're going through, he can see you through it. I want to just encourage you to find a place at the altar. Spend some time with the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I think of the, one of the men that I was talking to yesterday. Lord, uh, I pray that you would just be with uh, this man. And then also another gentleman I was talking to. He's a pastor. and uh, Lord, his assistant pastor has um, had a brain aneurysm. Lord, I pray that you would just comfort their family. Lord, we do realize that you're the great encourager. You're the great comforter. And Lord, we ask that you would just reveal that to uh, our loved ones. And Lord, for that one that needs it tonight. Lord, I love you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God spoke to your heart. I'm encouraging you to find a place at the altar. Brother Adam's going to play softly.
culture and an attitude of prayer. I do have some petitions, some prayer requests that uh, I'd like for you to remember tonight. Continue to pray for Joe Branson. Continue to pray for uh, Brother Joe Branson. Pray for Miss Angie. Pray that you uh, ask you to pray for um, Christy. Um, my mind went blank. Say it again. Yes, Christy Nelson. Uh, she's not feeling well tonight. She texted me and let me know that she wasn't going to be here. Uh, but to remember to pray for her, her family, her sons, and uh, her son's wife and their, their children. So we would remember them in your prayers, Cody. And um, I've got it written down on my prayer journal. Aaron and Cody, yes. Ryan's little boy and Macy, yeah. Remember these uh, folks in your prayers. Remember Brother Phil? Um, talk to him. He asked that uh, you pray for him. He's not feeling well. Then also this uh, man that had the brain aneurysm, he's a pastor, Pastor Rick. I can't remember his last name, but um, uh, met his pastor last night and so would ask that you remember Pastor Rick alright someone else prayer request yes Brother Luke Someone else? Yes, Peyton. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege we have to pray. Lord, we ask that you would Hear these prayers according to your will. Lord, I think of uh, this gentleman, Pastor Rick. Lord, I pray that you would just be with him and his family. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give the doctors wisdom and, Lord, just to take care of the, the need there. Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, Brother Joe Branson and Miss Angie and the family as they're uh, just in the final stages. Lord, I pray that you just strengthen them, give them peace. And even as we uh, spoke about tonight, uh, you are the God of comfort and encouragement, Lord, we ask that you would just uh, be with them. Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, Miss Christie as she's not feeling well, also for her family, uh, the, the children and uh, the grandchildren. Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, their most imminent uh, um, need, Lord, is that they need to be saved. Lord, I pray that you would just save them before it's eternally too late. Lord, also for Brother Phil, Lord, he's not feeling well. I pray that you would uh, strengthen him and help him to feel better as well. For Caleb Campbell and his wife, Lord, during this time of miscarriage, Lord, I pray that you would comfort their hearts. Lord, as I just hear these prayer requests, Lord, I'm just reminded, Lord, that we need you. And, uh, Lord, we need your encouragement. We need your comfort and peace. Lord, I ask that you be with uh, Alvy Sl uh, Slater and 
for Bob Minnick as well. Lord, I pray that you would meet the needs there. Lord, thank you again for what you've done through Back to Bethlehem. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in people's hearts even through that program. Lord, we love you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much.